0: Peace and blessings be upon you. Welcome to the Ta'leef Podcast, a space where we aim to provide content and connect our spiritual hearts with community, love, service, and prophetic wisdom.
1: This evening, mashallah, I have the pleasure of interviewing my, my good friend, uh, you know, uh, my, my, my mentor in terms of my outdoor activity. I'm, I'm, I'm a budding outdoorsman. And Mike is a full-grown outdoorsman, right? So he comes over to my house, sets some tents in my backyard and stuff like that. And, you know, gives me, gives, me, gives me some pointers how not to get killed while hiking and camping and stuff like that. Um, also, our children are good friends and they went to school together. Our wives are friends. So this is just like, a, a, a you know, two bros, man, sitting, having a conversation. But this is Mike's wife. How are you, brother? I'm looking forward to it. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Welcome back from you guys' uh, yeah, outdoor just,
2: adventure, which you earned your badge.
1: Alhamdulillah. Been a true outdoorsman, I'm assuming. OK, you know, I have to get my Boy Scout, you know, get my badges up, you know what I'm saying? That's right. You know. Um, you get one now. Alhamdulillah. We went to Utah for like a five-day hiking trip. It was man, it was intense. I, we just landed. Alhamdulillah. It was intense, so, mashallah. I'm just trying to be like Dawood, Yaseen, and Mike, and, you know, all of those guys, you know what I'm saying? Um but the topic for today is in my estimation, and you tell me how you feel about it, it is one of the most pressing topics in terms of things that, that uh, can potentially disrupt, hamper, or even endanger our spiritual development. Today we're talking about riya or ostentation, which is just a fancy way of saying showing off, right? Doing things for other than the sake of Allah doing things for applause, or to be seen, or to be esteemed, or to be thought highly of. Not that these things are in and of themselves bad, but when those things are your primary motivation, as a person worshipping Allah, there's something we need to work on there. You know, for you, Mike, you know, having been Muslim now for upwards of what 10, 15 years, right? So yeah,
2: I took Shahada 15 years ago. Uh, but my journey like started three years before that, so Islam's been a part of my life for the last 18 years.
1: Subhanallah. What some of the first things that come to your mind when you hear the term ostentation, or showing off,
2: or something like that? So Amir, it's funny you say that. So Amir texted me. He's like, "By the way, you guys are doing ostentation," and I was like, "Oh God, Because, <laughs> <laughs> like you said, you know, it's a real heavy one. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, Ria you know, one of the things for me that when I first started kind of learning of what this was, I was like, also in, in Islam, like we're, we're discouraged from being people who excel in what we do. Right. And then I realized there was a more subtle, uh, more subtle understanding of what Riyadh is. Right. Like mm-hmm. you said, it's, it's to be seen, right. Mm-hmm. Cause it comes from the same root word, right. As mm-hmm. to see. Yes. Right. But Riyadh means something a little bit more deep, which is like what we're doing. We're not doing it for Allah purely maybe partially, or maybe not at all. Mm-hmm. And it might even be the height of the hypocrisy that what we're doing is we're doing it for some kind of worldly gain or so people see us mm-hmm. doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than to actually purify our hearts and become a better version of ourselves. And the reason why I'm excited to talk about it is because I think this is one of the most prevalent diseases in our community that we don't address mm-hmm. with the rise of social media and you know the Dawa industrial complex, like I like to call Whoa. it, and all of these things where it's just, we're in this thing now of just promoting self-righteousness uh Mm -hmm. maybe we don't know it you know like i know Mm -hmm. you know we'll talk about it later i'm sure of just like how do you be someone who who talks about islam who tries to reach to people and who tries to bring benefit without making yourself feel like like your ish don't stink like you're holier Mm -hmm. than thou Mm -hmm. so i think it's i think it's a big topic and i'm i'm looking forward to i was perusing the book I had to make sure I took some little <laughs> some little notes all so ready for the conversation. Well, I mean, hopefully it'll be beneficial for all of us inshallah.
1: You know, for me, the, the biggest caution against riya is the fact that the Prophet sallallahu wa wasallam labeled it ash-shirk al-asghar. Mm. This is the minor barely perceptible shirk. Mm. Of course, we know in Islam the cardinal sin is shirk. Right? The sin that all of us uh, endeavor to avoid Is associating partners with Allah In fact being a Muwahid right? Muwahid is one who worships only one God Being a Muwahid Entails Making Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The primary Or perhaps exclusive focus Of your devotional activity This is I'm only interested in the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That's right I'm not interested in anything else, but the reason why, in my estimation, the Prophet والسلام, called it a al ashar is because it's so you know, once he was asked by the companions, مجمعين, may God be pleased with them, to describe a shuruk al-asghar. And he said, What? It's like a black ant on a black rock on a moonless night. You I mean, like. You, all, you almost can't even see it, but it's certainly there. Wow. I remember once talking to one of my teachers, and I was asking him about about Shariq. And he said, think about how you react to reading something interesting in a book. If your first reaction is, I can't wait to tell someone about this, mm. right? I can't wait to, you know, maybe you text, maybe you pick up the telephone. Maybe you put, right. uh, you know, you put a, you know, uh, uh, you know <laughs> a, a new status on Facebook. Or just something you want to share with people. Now, even though your motivation in doing this might be good, I just want to inspire people. I want to offer people something uplifting. Hmm. My teacher would tell me if that was your first reaction hmm. and your first reaction was not contemplation. Hmm. It was not reflection. Oh, oh, am I good? I mean, what are you going to do with this guy, man? How do you deal with it? We, we talk about it. We do Mashallah, Sabran Beautiful patient. But he said, if your first reaction was, how does this apply mm-hmm. to me? How can this, this hadith or this ayah or this hikmah, this aphorism, this wise statement, how can it make me better? How can it make me a better father, Mm. me a better son, me a better brother, Mm. me a better sister? And then after you took personal benefit from it, you thought, and maybe it can help some other people. too. Then it's not real. Maybe you Mm. really do endeavor to inspire. Mm. But if the first thing you thought is, oh, man, wait till everybody hears this. Mm. Or, oh, man, let me. It's like a black ant on a black rock. On a moonless night, right? La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. So let's let's get into some of what, what the Imam says about this. He says its root cause is covetousness, right? Love of dunya. Doing good works for the sake of showing off. The cure is also the cure for love of the dunya is also the cure for riyah or ostentation. So roll up your sleeves if you want to set out and cure what is at the root of all of these diseases and what exacerbates them. So love of the dunya being the root of showing off. What do you you derive from that? What do you hear there? Oh,
0: man. How much do I love the dunya?
1: you know
2: like you said we should be reflective upon it right
1: mm-hmm. i think
2: like like you said it's it's so subtle right it's one of those things that we we know exists somewhere in us and the question is is it something that's overcome us and we don't know mm-hmm. you know like you know the quintessential issue like hubba dunya you know people always ask the hadith of the prophet peace upon him he said uh where the companion came so what about dressing beautifully like mm-hmm. is that showing off and the prophet said, no, Allah is, beauty, is beautiful and he loves beauty, right? And like the brothers, like, you know, obviously clearly not me, but people like obeyed Allah, yeah, MashaAllah, who value how they dress and are fashionable, they're like, okay. so that's, we're good with that, right? But my point is, is we, we constantly are trying to figure out, like, are we those people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, are we people who love the dunya? How much do we love it? How much do we not, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's just, I don't know, that's what I think about. Like, SubhanAllah. How
1: how ill am I without knowing? You know, when I think about Hibbut Dunya, I think what he's suggesting is that in showing off of people what kind of worldly benefit Mm. are you trying to accrue from them? Mm. What do you want from them? Right? What do you you want? Do you want them to clap for you? Mm. Do you want them to think highly of you? Do you want them to esteem you? Do you want them to promote you? Mm. Do you want them to love you? What do you want from them? Because if you worship Allah in sincerity, you could actually have all of those things. Hmm. Remember that, that companion, عنه, who came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, Ya Rasulullah, tell me something, that if I did it, God would love me and people would love me. You know, what's interesting about that is that the Prophet ﷺ did not scold him for wanting to be loved by people that's a natural part of being human we want to be loved we want to be appreciated you know I was talking with an older black man and he was saying that one of the most valuable discoveries of his life was learning that even his father you know an, an even older black man who was a little bit rough and wasn't really into like mushy sentimental talk when he discovered that not only does my father love me my father wants to be loved by me. Hmm. Even though my father's from a generation where, you know, if I called him and said, you know, dad, I love you. Okay, son, here goes your mother. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't want to talk about all that. <laughs> man. <I> always, okay, <laughs> son, here's your mom. <laughs> but now my father wants to feel loved. Hmm. We all want to be loved. We all want to be validated. Hmm. So when the man came to the prophet, alayhi to them and said, tell me something, that if I did it, Allah would love me. And if I did it, people would love me. The Prophet didn't say, Why do you want to be loved by people? Mm. He said, What well, is Dunya? Allah. Don't love the dunya. Ishad fit dunya. Mm. Don't dunya literally be a zahid in the dunya, be abstinent in the dunya, which doesn't mean well, in the dunya, right? Don't mm. don't forget, you know, your portion of the dunya, but don't make the dunya your highest aspiration. Right? You have some people, I mean you mm. listen to them, and some I mean, most of these people that I'm thinking about, they're not Muslim. And when they talk about their startup company mm. and what they're willing to, to offer for it, what they're willing to sacrifice for it, when they when they when they talk about you know their art, that's a big one in Western culture. <laughs> when people when musicians talk about their music or visual artists talk about their artwork you would think that this art guaranteed them salvation. Wow. You would think that this business succeeding meant that they were going to go to an eternal paradise. This is the depth of passion they can summon when talking about it. Izhat Fit Dunya means only talk about Akhirah like that. Hmm. Doesn't mean that you have to have a dispassionate relationship with those things that are a part of your life. If you like working out, or you like camping, or you like hiking, or you like cars, or you like architecture, you like interior design, or you like graphic design. You can love those things. But make sure that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the highest source of your aspiration. Meaning, I love those things. Yeah, anyone who knows me knows that I love certain things. Allah I love certain things. Don't we all love stuff? We all... Every soul has something it inclines toward. Zuhud means... But there's a place in my heart that is only for God. Mm. There's a place in my heart that money cannot enter. There's a place in my heart that art cannot enter. Mm. There's a place in my heart that self-expression cannot enter. There's a place in my heart that homes and clothes and cars cannot enter. That place is reserved for Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Mm. That's what is Hajfid dunya, making sure that there is a place in your heart Only God gets that. Right? And he says, "What if you do that, God will love you. God will love you. And then he said, Be a a Zahid. Or don't be so concerned about what people have and they will love you. Don't be so concerned about, you know, what this person is making, and how much their house costs and somebody gives you an invitation to their home, and you got to go on Redfin and see the value of the home.
0: <laughs> Why, well, yeah, don't, don't don't do that. Don't
1: you know? People can feel
0: that. How <laughs> much? What
1: would you pay for a place like this? Right. The prophet said, "Be a person that doesn't do that." And people will love you, right? But when you're a person who wants something from people, you lack that desire. There's some, like the people are your highest aspiration. Then, yeah, mm. ostentation comes into the picture. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, when it's like I don't want anything more than what they can give me. And so, you know, I'll pass. I'll pass it back to you, but that hadith of the Prophet والسلام, that's recorded in the two Sahih comes directly to mind directly to mind there will be three people that come before Allah on Yom al one of them will be a wealthy man who spent all of his money in good works right you know, giving charity the other will be a scholar or a Quranic reciter that spent all of their time studying and reciting the Qur'an. And another will be a mujahid. Somebody, and so it seems fitting that we had Memorial Day yesterday, right? Mm. Somebody that gave the ultimate sacrifice, gave their life for the sake of Allah. The first, right, the, the, the philanthropist will come before God, and God will say to him, I gave you abundant wealth. What did you do with it? And the philanthropist will say, I gave it all for your sake, ya Al Alameen. I gave it all for you, O Lord of the worlds. And Allah will say, no. You gave it so that people would say he's so generous. jawad." And thus, it's been said. And then that person will be made to face accountability. The next person, I gave you time and I gave you ability so that you could seek knowledge. I read this, I shudder. What did you do with that time and that talent? I sought knowledge and I taught knowledge. And I did it for your sake, Ya Rabbul Al-Ali. Allah will say, no, you lie. You did it so that people would say, man, that's a knowledgeable sister. Man, that's an eloquent brother. Man, that's an articulate sister. And thus it's been said. And then he or she will be made to face accountability. And the last person, what did you do with your life? I gave it for your sake, ya al Alameen. I gave my life for your cause. You lie. You gave it so that people would talk about your bravery. People would talk about your courage. Songs would be made about you. You would be celebrated and rhapsodized about. And thus it has happened. And even that person that apparently, ostensibly died as a mujahid, will be made to face punishment. Because the people was the highest or the people were the highest source of their devotional ambition. And zuhid means what? Mm-hmm. Only God is the, is, is the real source of my devotional ambition. The next thing he says is, I mean, that showing off is one of the calamities of the heart. To perform an act of devotion for other than the Creator's sake, rather, it is for the purpose of seeking some worldly benefit, or praise from His creation, or to protect oneself from the opposite. Right. That is loss of wealth or dispraise. I mean, what do you? I mean, that that last bit.
0: Was this was actually for some otherworldly game
2: right? That the subtlety of how easy it is for us to trick ourselves into thinking our intentions—it's only for God. Like we're here, we're doing this work for God. We're making this post to, to to give the dawah, to tell people about Allah, to call them to Allah. But are we really doing that? So much so that the last person that allah last is the mujahid, the person who gives their life. You know, fighting for justice and protecting the, the, the community that even someone who does that, the life is over. Like to sacrifice your wealth and everything is one thing, but to sacrifice your life, it's really gotta have faith because you're like, Am I gonna wake up on the other side? If you really believe, you know, it's like, am I really gonna wake up on the other side? Or people who give their whole life, like you have to be convinced. If anyone in this world really has belief, it has to be someone who would give their life, right? So I think what's so profound, the Imam warns us when he opens this chapter, pull up your sleeves. This
1: is, this is hard work. Cause This is hard work, this is Hard work,
2: right? And I, like, that's to me, like, whenever I think about stuff, like, it's like, you know, I don't know. He's an outdoorsman now, right? You guys all give a bit ah. a lot of love. Like now he went pet. to Utah, right? So they don't have this in Utah. But have any of you guys been out in the woods, like around here or in Colorado? You guys know what ticks are? Yeah. Oh, you're from Tennessee. Of course you know. So ticks are like these little like, sorry, I'm, I'm about to get all creepy. They're like these little bugs, right? But in some places, they're super small. like Deer ticks, they're super small. And right? what they do is they sit on like plants, uh, on leaves, on trails where like deer and animals come through. And what they do is they jump onto the off the leaf onto the animal and they burrow and they suck the blood. And some of them give Lyme disease, right? So if you guys ever heard of Lyme disease, it comes from ticks. Um, and they burrow And then they suck blood And they become like these like these, like puffer things Now <clears throat> Have any of you guys ever s- gone- بوك. 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 Oh, Is that what a tick is in Arabic? Yeah. My, brother, my, 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 my in... Egyptian brother is
1: looking like <laughs>
2: <laughs> So if you've ever been camping Or you've ever been in a wooded area Even around here like If you go out into the woods And go hiking like off the trails You should always be careful Because you have to. Anyone who goes outside knows you have to check yourself, right? And like, there's certain parts of the body, like through here, where essentially where there's high level of blood flow here, armpits, private areas, um, things like that. And I'm telling you, I'm never so meticulous about looking at my body as from when I come out of there because I'm. One time when I came back from Boy Scout camp when I was a kid, there was like a tick crawling on me, and like it hadn't burrowed in me yet, but it was like just crawling on my legs. A tick that flicked off, and then it starts burrowing in you, right? Mm-hmm. So, what's to me, I don't know. This 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 metaphor just kind of comes up when you talk about it because they're so small, yet they can be so harmful, and oftentimes you don't know about it until it's too late.
1: <laughs> but the other part, just to extend your metaphor, you know, little ping pong here, you know what I'm saying, is that the tick wants to burrow where blood. Flow is most active mm. and so you see this not this me. disease of reality it's something that impacts who the philanthropist mm. see the, the stingy person mm. doesn't even have to worry about react she's stingy she's not she's i mean she's not. she's not she's not, she's not giving anything That's to right. show off or for the sake of allah she's not giving anything period right the the, the person that is that has no aspiration to learn Right, the person that wouldn't dare set foot in t- Leaf on a Tuesday. <laughs> right, the, kind of like the religious blood flow is not even there. Mm. You see, it's like it's like a person who is like, give up my Tuesday during the NBA playoffs to go study something about Islam, what? and Kyrie is playing, <laughs> and he just stomped on Lucky to join in the middle of the, and the Boston fans are about to be on him like crazy, you want me to sit in teleep and study something about my heart? A person. i feeling that
2: you wish you were watching a basketball no, no, game. <laughs> no, 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 no,
1: no. But I'm saying it's only people like Riyadh is a disease that impacts the people that are striving for some reason. People that aren't striving. This isn't this isn't really a thing for them. Like one thing that they know they're safe from is Riyadh. Which is odd. That's that, really yeah, odd. Yeah. Yeah, a person that's like, wow. I don't do anything religious. Well, we know that that person is safe from Bria, because he's. I mean, he's not. He's not doing anything. Maybe but, not safe from other things, but but, but right. safe from Bria. We maybe he maybe she isn't safe <laughs> from other things. Maybe he isn't safe from other things, but we know they're not showing off. That's right. Because they're not showing anything. But the person that is like making an effort and, uh, you know, coming to the prayers and giving for the sake of Allah you know spending in charity Mm. and the person that is trying to learn and the person that is engaged in different levels of self-sacrifice this is the person that has to be careful that's right right so the tick shows up with his blood flow and how often like when we find ourselves
2: doing you know outward acts of worship how often do we find ourselves examining like what your teacher taught you right like how often are we Doing this period of self-examination, checking ourselves to see mm-hmm. if we have this little thing hiding somewhere on us. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't. I I probably I hope I do now after this.
0: Subhanallah,
2: subhanallah. <laughs> but but I mean, subhanAllah, what a profound thing to think about that when we give charity, how easy can you like it's like the devil's trick, right? Like you trick yourself, right? Well, well, like I'm giving this, right? But maybe it's just to make yourself feel better. Or maybe Absolutely, it's like man. no, no, it's it's for the people, but then like. You're like you you have it on Instagram, and you're like, oh, here I am passing out food, you know, to homeless or to whoever. the Saalul you know. And you're like, well, well, I'm inspiring the people, like I'm, you know, I'm I'm doing goodness, like I'm t- I'm encouraging people, right? But at the same time, it's like
1: I'm gonna ooh, get personal. So scary. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get personal with this, man. I didn't grow up in a religious community. I didn't grow up in a religious community. I mean, my family was, I guess. Uh, Mildly Christian. I mean, you know, we celebrated holidays and, and, and things like that. But I took an interest in religion myself mm. when I was about 12 or 13, you know, years of age. I was on a football team with a friend. His mother was a very fervent uh, Pentecostal mm. Christian woman, mm. and she was the team mother. And she picked wow. us up for football games, but we had to go to church before the game.
0: Mm.
1: All of my teammates mm. would go to church and just sit and fall asleep, but I would actually pay attention. <laughs> and I, you know, and I actually decided myself to get baptized, wow. right? And, I'm, and then I started attending with her Bible study, like twice a week, wow. at the age of 12, Man, yeah. I, was, I was interested in religion from a very early age. Right. But I mentioned that to say, I had no experience with people giving charity mm. for, mm. Um, you know, I, in fact, I had no experience with people giving charity, period. Mm. And so it wasn't until I became Muslim that I saw somebody give away $100,000. And it really startled me. You know, I was, at, I, I, I never, I was in Detroit. Are you, are you sure? No, 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 no bro. I, Do you I, add extra zero, brother? I was, in, I was in Detroit. I was in Detroit. It was a fundraiser for the E-Man Clinic. The great Dr. Rami Nasishibi was speaking. And he was talking about work on Chicago, Southwest side and E-Man. And there was a brother sitting next to me. A tear came down his cheek. And he had a check for 10. He crumpled that check up. He came back out. He wrote another check for 100. And I wanted to respect the privacy of of, of that moment that he was having with Allah. But I, I got overwhelmed, I was like, subhanAllah! We got $100,000, brothers. Like, SubhanAllah! <laughs> and wallahi Mike, right, right. This is when you talk about, when you talk about Riyadh, from that day, hmm. I said to myself, yo, man, I gotta, I gotta find a way to do that at least once in my life. Hmm. I gotta experience what it's like to give away that kind of money for at least once in my life,
0: hmm.
1: right? And for a long time, I just said, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do something. I'm going to invest. I'm going to start something. I want to know what he felt. Mm-hmm. When he gave somebody $100,000, I wanted to know what kind of success must he enjoy?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What kind of religiosity must he enjoy? But there was one problem with that. That in my pursuit, and I still haven't given away $100,000. Mm-hmm. I still don't But in my pursuit to... Um, to realize something like that, I realized that it wasn't completely pure, man. Mm. I wanted to feel, Mm -hmm. like I wanted the person to, like the way that I felt looking at him, I wanted someone to see me and think, Mm. he just gave away $25,000 Dang. That's serious. Mm. And so, the way that you challenge those feelings, right, is if you were placed in a situation where you could do the same good deed, the same Amal saw but nobody would know. Nobody would know. Nobody's sitting next to you. That, that's the cure. That's the cure. Would you still do it? See, I have no doubt that, you know, it was a check. So, of course, they were going to see his name on it, right? Right. They were going right. to see his name on it. But... The way that it was done, it was done so furtively. Mm. It was done so secretively, I could tell. He didn't care who knew. Mm. He didn't want me to see. I just happened to be eye hustling and I saw it. Right. Like, <laughs> The whole ride home, right? Because we drove mm. up from Chicago. I was just looking out the window like, brothers from Iman, like, what happened? And I just saw somebody give away $100,000, right? man give it away, at one time. Man, I've never seen anything like that. I'm from a a lower middle class black family. Somebody gave somebody $100,000. Bro, I got to do that at least once in my life. Mm. But what I recognized was that some of me wanted to do it for the sake of Allah. Mm. But some of me wanted to experience what it would be like to be esteemed like that, Mm. to be considered as that kind of person. That's what he's talking about. That's how subtle it is. You know what I'm saying?
0: Little black ants on a little black rock on a black
1: night. On a black night? You know, it's there, but you can't see it. You know, in that hadith that we mentioned, you know, each of those three people, they were actually pleased with that. Hmm. They weren't speaking tongue in cheek so, um, when they said, "I gave it for your sake." Nobody
2: thought they did. Those are like the things that scare me the most. Like, like same thing with hypocrisy, right? With nifaq, uh, hypocrisy and belief, pretending that you believe when you don't really believe. When you read Surat al-Baqarah, the first, the second chapter of the Quran, once you get into like verse, I think like eight and nine, God starts. He start, first starts the attributes of the believers, then the disbelievers, mm-hmm. but then he gets into the scariest ones. Which honestly, honestly, God, I'll just say it here. Hopefully, there's no reaction me saying it. I, when I recite those in Arabic, I can't get past those verses without like feeling some kind of tremble. Oh yeah, sure. Right? Because like, what's amazing about like, each of these verses? What do they all end with? About the hip- hypocrites, right? They don't know.
1: They don't know. They're
2: not aware, right? They, and they like, are they are yeah, are they are
1: don't know.
2: They don't know about it. And I, I, those are like the things to me, the afflictions that are so scary. But they're also kind of in some ways, and maybe we'll get into this in a little bit, like they're also kind of debilitating, right? Because like, so how do you then teach a class, right? Without thinking, like, is this solely for Allah? Like, you know what I'm saying? Well, how know, do you hold yourself suspect like
0: that? You, you know, know
1: Imam like, Ghazali, Ghazali, he his his remedy for this was simple. He said, When you want to speak, be silent. Mm-hmm. And when you want to be silent, speak. Because it goes both ways. A lot yeah. of people don't realize. You know, uh, they, they they say men arada Shuhra for who abdu shuhra. Whoever wants fame is a slave to fame. Mm. For men khumul, for who abdu khumul. and whoever wants obscurity is a slave to obscurity. Uh-huh. You know, some people just even if doing the right thing necessitates being known. They just want to remain unseen. Mm. They will not push themselves to do it.
0: Wow. You know,
1: it's like when you see an act of injustice, mm. none of us really wants to get in someone else's business mm. and speak up and bring heat and tension and conflict and discord to our lives. I don't need this in my life. Okay. But Al Ghazali says what? Speak up. That's right. Right? When you want to be silent, speak up. And when you want to speak, be silenced. Wallahi. One thing that I'm clear about for myself is that if I didn't feel, two things, a sense of responsibility because Allah has allowed me to to learn something about Islam, and I fear what my reckoning will be if I didn't try to make some contribution to give something back. And if this was not something that I did professionally, Hmm. meaning this is what I, this is where I've chosen to stake my claim in this dunya, and for those of you who don't know. (laughs) He put a good job on it. You know, and for those of you who don't know, you know, many religious teachers, at least that I know, do feel, and people working in Dawah, we have worked in other fields of endeavor. And we know that we can be effective doing other things, man. Mm. You know, I, I, was, I was once uh, sitting in Egypt, and I was talking to my roommate. And he said to me, what, what, what do you really want after you finish this program at Azhar? And I said, I want to make some money. <laughs> and he said to me, no, you don't. Now he, he's from a very, very wealthy family. He said, no, you don't. Because if you wanted to make money, you wouldn't be sitting business. in this dingy apartment with me in Cairo. <laughs> That's right. You would be at Harvard Law School, mm. putting the same amount of time and energy and effort into actually a law career that can actually make you some money. Mm. Not doing this. You would be in business school. That's or right. You'd be thinking about some entrepreneurial endeavor yeah. that could actually pay you. Mm. which you have to come to terms with obey the law? is that you're not primarily motivated by money. Because if you were, hard. there's no way you'd be at us harder. Because <laughs> let me tell you, there's no money in this. <laughs> <laughs> not, not real money. You know, not real money. There's no money in this. <laughs> and I think you knew that before you decided to do this, but you still decided to do it. Why? Sometimes, you know, now I want to, I want to, I because I don't want to debilitate. People working in Dawa, people studying,
2: people giving. I only brought up because it's a tricky thing. It goes through my mind all the time.
1: Yeah, I don't want to debilitate. So my point is, sometimes it's like, no, no. Riyadh is something that can creep into our sincerity. Mm. And it just has to be cleansed, right? I don't think, uh, at least now. See, uh, the context that a lot of the classical writers wrote in there was actually great public esteem and wealth in religious careers. Mm. Like when Ghazali is talking about mm. the evil scholars, he's speaking to a context in which being a faqih is like, uh, that's, that's like one of the, the most celebrated positions that a person could occupy.
0: Mm.
1: We're working in a context where somebody working in da'wah I mean, really, somebody teaching Islam, I mean, it's not, right? And this, this, this matters. Mm. You know, we notice in the Quran, if you want proof of what I'm saying, there are no ayat about nifaq revealed in the Meccan phase of the seer of the prophet a. Mm. Islam. They say that nifaq or hypocrisy as a concept mm. is not broached until we get to Medina. Because in Mecca, there's nothing worldly to gain mm. Interesting. in becoming Muslim. You become Muslim, you get persecuted. That's
0: right.
1: You become Muslim, you get ostracized. That's right. You become Muslim, you get excommunicated. That's right. What is there to gain? That's right. Only in Medina, now the Muslims have a semblance of worldly authority. Mm. Becoming Muslim, there's, there's some public esteem to be enjoyed. Mm. Then the ayat of mifaq mm. yeah, are revealed. Wow. We live mostly in a Meccan phase of the seerah of the Prophet. Mm. What is there to be gained That's true. in working in da'wah that could not be gained somewhere else? Yeah. Perhaps with more abundance. More, more lucrative manner. Right? So, inshallah, those of us, I think American Muslims, inshallah, we are generally sincere believers. Inshallah. inshallah, inshallah. But Riyadh can creep in, right? Riyah can creep in, right? And we just have to check the intention and purify the intention when we feel that Riyadh creeping in. He continues, the worst form of Riyadh is that which results in a sinful deed, such as a false, pretentious display of virtue. What do you think about that, man? A, dis- a pretentious
0: display of virtue. I know you're not much of
2: a social media guy, but like, this is just what keeps popping up into my head. Like, just, you know, how... Two things. So, like, one is when we are talking to... Many of us in this class are people who come to Islam, right? So for many of us, we're also navigating this world on how do we share what we love with the people we love so they can they can find peace with God, they can get to know the prophet, peace be upon him, they can find goodness in this life and the life to come, right? And how do we, you know, I think you touched on it a bit, but like how easy is the trap to fall into where we do become pretentious in the way that we approach things, mm-hmm. you know, where it's kind of like, you know, we think about uh, not to throw our Christian brothers on the, the bus, but like the whole save complex, like, mm-hmm. well, don't you want to be saved? Don't you yes. want to know you're saved? Yes. How do you Muslims live not knowing that you're not saved? You know, it's I'm like, sure. well, you know, inshallah, <laughs> we do the best we can. Like, we don't assume to say we're <laughs> saved. And we also know that God's mercy is uh, is is vast. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's in Allah's, Allah says in the Quran that even if you were to give us the treasures of his, mercy we would still as humans be stingy we could never be as merciful as god right and it, it's such a subtle thing so i think like the pretentious thing is something always terrifies me just like you know how how do we avoid that and
1: how easily we fall into it in the world of social media the thing about pretense that one must remember is that there's a very subtle difference between just pretentiousness and legitimately being inspired by other people, mm. you know, we spend time with other people, and sometimes those people bring out the best in us. Mm. It's not pretentiousness, mm. but yes, when I'm a, when I'm in the company of the righteous, I feel inspired to be better. Mm. Right. One thing that um, Ibn Jose uh, and Bliss, you know, he writes. When you feel inspired to do more in the company of good people, don't reject that. Mm. Don't reject that. Strive to make your private match public. Because if you reject it, the devil has triumphed, Mm. right? And you have still made the people the greatest source of your ambition, the greatest source of your devotion. So I call this, and we're about to experience this in a few minutes. This is the Turaka after Maghrib complex. Everybody knows that if they're at home
2: mm, right.
1: and they're watching something good or they're doing something engrossing and the time for maghrib comes in, they might pray the two sunnah afterward and they might not. Everybody knows sometimes they look. They pray Maghrib and they go back to watching oh, again.
2: It's so not right.
1: <laughs> right, right you know but but when we're in the company of an assembly and everybody is praying those two units of prayer after Maghrib, what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> you know, right? I don't want to be the boy that didn't pray it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Ibn mm-hmm. Josie says, in that moment, if you said to yourself, Well, I don't do it at home. Why would I do it here? The devil is tricking you into thinking this is sincerity. Mm -hmm. I don't do it. That you think that an expression of your sincerity is not praying to God. Well, I don't do it at home. (laughs) Why would I do it now? No. He says what? For whatever the reason. Maybe it is that you're with this group of people that are now doing this and you don't regularly do it. Do it. That's right. It's, it's prayer to Allah, do it, but next time you're alone, push yourself to do it, right? Push yourself to make those suraqahs. If you don't, you have still made the people the primary focus mm. in your devotional life. Why are you not making those suraqahs? Because these people are here. I don't want them to think I'm you know just trying to be like them because I'm real. I'm real, you know. So there's, there's some very, you know, there's some very strange and unfortunate ways that we talk about realness in our culture. Hmm. Some people can justify anything through giving it the label real. You no, know, I knew, I grew up with a guy named Chris, and his motto was "heart to the throat." That was look, it go from my heart to my throat. Hmm. You know, He would say just outrageous things to people. And when you question him about it, Chris, hold on, man. Heart to the throat. Heart to the throat. <laughs> Whatever I feel, just heart to the throat. <laughs> I don't even think about it. No filter. No filtration. Heart to the throat, Keep bro. it real. I keep it 100. Real, like the label on craft cheese, bro. <laughs> Straight like that. Real. And when you think about it, it's like, you no, know, we're supposed to be people of deliberation. We're supposed mm-hmm. to be people of great care. The saying is what? The heart of a fool is in his mouth. The heart of a fool is in his mouth. Like, that whatever he thinks, he just says mm-hmm. with no deliberation, no reflection, no contemplation, right? This is, to me, uh, a similar issue. That somebody would refrain from praying because I'm real. And I don't do no front.
2: Wouldn't do it there. So I'm not going to do it now. Why would I do it now? Trick of the devil.
1: This is the it's
0: a trick of the devil.
2: I think it's so profound, right? Because like how many times I, I find this a lot in the work that we do where like people feel like they don't want to do something or or like people will be like, you know, oh, this per- my son's not really like he's not a real Muslim. He's trying to get married because he wants to have a relationship with this girl, right? And I was like, "Well, well, maybe,
0: maybe this is him stepping in. Tension is maybe perhaps one of the best ways of
1: remediate uh, of correcting yourself, right? And then the other thing, too, man, is sometimes when you experience virtue that isn't uh, your norm, it feels good to be a better version of yourself, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember Jezakalachayim. You see, when you put that little note on there, you see how I respond? I'm like, Jezakalachayim. You know what I'm saying? You see what he's
2: <laughs> <Salallahu> <laughs> wasallam. He's reminding right. us of the Prophet every time.
1: But sometimes it feels good to be a better version of yourself. You know, I, I was with uh, the, young, the young Imam Omar Hadrook. Mm,
2: He's a good guy. I, I
1: like Allah bless him, and increase him. I mean, Allah bless him and bless his work and bless then his, his, his family. Alhamdulillah. He said something that really made me think, man. He said, we often denounce people as Ramadan Muslim. Hmm. Oh, man, he's a Ramadan Muslim. Which means that in the month of Ramadan, she does all kinds of stuff that she doesn't ordinarily do. Right? So in the month of Ramadan, she's praying to Halloween. The month of Ramadan, she's fasting. Month of Ramadan, listening to Quran. Month of Ramadan, reciting Quran. Month of Ramadan. Performing the paraid. at other times, she don't really care about that. After Eid, <laughs> he said, "But the Prophet sallallahu would increase his devotion in the month of Ramadan. Hmm. Right? That Aisha That's said right. the Prophet was always generous, but he was at his he most generous in the month of Ramadan, and that the Prophet was always committed to his prayer and his devotion, but he was most committed to those things in the month of Ramadan." That Ramadan represents for us a chance to be our very best. Mm. And that's not pretension. And it feels mm. good, man. Sometimes we surprise ourselves with our strength, with our ability right. to do what God has commanded of us. And you're like, man, I've gone without food and drink for 15 hours. That's right. Even in the privacy of my own home with no one looking. That's right. Man, this is I'm not fronting. It just feels good to be a little bit better. That's right. And so we say a Ramadan, mm. we see the best version of ourselves and we should fall in love with that version of mm. ourselves. Man, this, this could be me. Mm. Right now it's a hal, but it could become a maqam. That's right. It could be right now it's a, like a, a, a state, but it could become a station. That's right. If I choose mm-hmm. to make it so. We can also fall mm. in love with the version of ourselves that we see. When we're in the company of good people. Mm. It's like, man, I was with them. I wasn't cursing. That's right. I was with them. I wasn't yeah. telling any lewd or obscene mm. jokes. I was, you know, engaging in, you know, more praise of God in my speech. Even though ordinarily I do curse a lot. Mm. I do tell some off-color jokes. I don't thank a lot or praise a lot as much as I did with them in my speech. Mm. That wasn't just a pretentious display of virtue.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like, man, it gave me a glimpse at what I could be. Mm-hmm. And so I also wanna 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 kind of um, you know add some nuance.
2: That's a that's a beautiful nuance. Honestly I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. So thank you for breaking it down.
1: Yeah, just like that. You got a few more minutes. You got a few more minutes. He said the worst form of react is that which results in a simple deed. Such as a, uh, a pretentious display of virtue, so you could be entrusted with, with the wealth of an orphan, in this case, but you know showing yourself to be virtuous, so that you could be made the treasurer of the community and then f- defraud the community of its wealth. The next degree is what is done for some worldly matter, using good deeds as a means to obtain it. So this idea of. Using your religious standing to attain worldly power. Terrifying. Really terrifying. Man. You know, mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. being in Egypt around the time of the uh, Torah. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a legitimate Torah Sha'biyah. It was a popular revolution. I was there. I was in Egypt uh, during the Arab Spring. Mm-hmm. I actually went to Medina. I, huh? I was there. Huh. Right? I was there. And as the Muslim Brotherhood became more uh, celebrated, at the very beginning, right, it culminated in the election of Muhammad Mursi. But there was always something about that that made me uncomfortable.
0: Hmm. Which
1: is, I'm not saying it's bad, good, but I, I said if religious virtue gets connected with political power in that way, that could be dangerous. Hmm. And a lot of the danger will be for religious virtue. Hmm. You see? Because people will go frustrated with politicians, with politics. I mean, that's what people normally do. But if your politics is something that is made in the name of taqwa, That's right.
2: It's masked in spirituality and religiosity and Sharia and. and, and,
1: Religiosity and spirituality and Sharia. People will also grow frustrated with those things too. Mm. And I always fear, I had some tahafudahs, I had some reservations because I feared that that could be dangerous. So here he's saying if one uses your religious standing as a means of attaining something of this world, that could be very dangerous for your, your spiritual growth.
2: I mean, think about how much we hear about, like, with the youth uh, in our communities who, or the young adults who begin to share with us, like, their, their, their struggles in faith, right? But As they begin to share, like, I don't know, I have doubts in my faith and this and that. And when you dig into it, you realize that at some level, someone in their life, maybe it was a teacher, maybe it was a, a parent or a family member or someone who was using their assumed authority of religion. Maybe because they're more knowledgeable, or they got a bigger beard, or they wear a full abaya, you know, or whatever it might be, or they have big thicker beads, or whatever. They use this, and they translate it into authority, and you use that authority. You know, it was really funny. Uh, so I used to do, introdu- uh, what's it called, um, early intervention. I'm a speech pathologist. So I used to work with children age zero to three for a long time. And I, would, I worked over on the southwest side of Chicago, so mostly Spanish-speaking families. So I had a translator that would work with me. My translator, um, God bless her, she was awesome. But she would come with me to all the houses, and she found out I was Muslim because I, you know, I would go and like pray. And she was like, "What are you doing?" And she's like, oh, "Are you Muslim?" So she grew up in Dearborn, super Catholic family. Are you guys familiar with Dearborn, Michigan?
0: Yeah. All
1: right. Arab yeah, you capital. Mean, you mean that,
2: that city in Lebanon? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it might as well. Be That's right. And Subhanallah, she said she would she said the first word she said to me she said haram and i was like what i was like how do you know that word she's like my aunt as a catholic a super deep believing church going catholic would use that word for us to control us to prevent us from going somewhere just like she saw the people like in the neighbor the neighbors doing it it's haram don't do that it's haram don't go there it's haram 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 so she said my my mother <laughs> using this word it's like so you know how many people are raised with this like and this is another thing that when you're when you're on the minbar of the prophet peace and blessings upon him when you are on his pulpit so when you're talking about religion not just giving a khutbah, right or a sermon but when you're just talking about religion how careful do we have to be right to not assert some degree of authority on people that then will kind of like give them that you know like it's something i'm scared to death of man to be yeah. honest with you like no,
1: it's, 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 it's interesting. I mean, one of the most challenging aspects of standing at the member of the Prophet, a.s. is that the person that stands there, that man or that woman, gets associated with all of the right. beautiful souls that have stood there before you. That's right. But one of the things you have to struggle to remember is that the people aren't really seeing you. Mm. You know, I, you know. Wow. I, of course, I, I graduated from Azhar, and I, I very seldomly even wear the tarpush, but I have a turtelpush, which is the distinct red fez with the tassel to the back, with the white turban with no tail. That's like our very well-known uh, dress. But I, I never. After you know, you go. You know, after you graduate, you go behind. You go in the rasa, you know, behind uh, Hussein, or you can go behind Jami Al Azhar and you can get a nice tarbush, get it, get it made. And mm. you're sitting there and, you know, you look quite the religious scholar when you're wearing one. wow. You know, yeah. one of my teachers, he told me, when people see this headdress, they have husnat bun of you because mm. of the people that have worn it before you. They don't even know you, they don't even care about you. Mm. What you have to recognize is that you have had selfless, generous people Mm. that have served people before you while wearing this. Mm. This is why if you walk around with this, people will show you respect. Now, you can take that legacy of a thousand years and you can destroy it by being disrespectful to people, having this authoritarian attitude, being condescending talking down to people, being arrogant, manipulating people, exploiting people. And you take this 1,000-year legacy, you put that same headdress on, and now the next person that sees it after experiencing you will say, what? I don't even like those. I don't even, I don't even deal with those people. And he said that because so many of the scholars of Azhar have become ulama al sultah they become the scholars of the political authority. This tarbush has fallen into disrespect among people. Hmm. That this used to be a sign of great respect. So, oh, wow. Now people, I, I don't even listen to those people. Right? So recognize when you stand there as a da'i, as you do, or that sister stands there as a teacher, man, there's a thousand-year legacy of people that went before you teaching. That's right. And this is why people look at you and say, mashallah, alhamdulillah, make du'a for me. Hmm. Now you're carrying that. How will you carry it? That's right. Will you protect it? Will you preserve it? Or will you pimp it? Wow. Or will you pimp it? I love it. <laughs> Or will you wow. pimp it? Because, yeah. it? because you can go either way with it. You can go eat People come to you. These are good-natured souls that are coming to you with openness, saying, look, They tell me you know something about the religion of God. I'm here to learn from you. If you want to exploit them, you can. But what kind of depraved soul would do something like that? And it angers me to even think about it. What kind of depraved soul would disempower people like that and destroy their relationship with God and his messenger? Because they, I don't even, sorry, man. No, no, I'm just, I'm just. I feel you, man. No, 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 it's, 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 it's almost like we know it because we see it. Let's just stop there, yeah, man.
0: Yeah, it Let's stop there And just pray
1: that we don't fall into that ever in our lives. Ah, and ah, if we have ah, ever mistakenly fallen into um, anything like that, that Allah Taala will forgive us and rectify us with, ah, with, with All of us, our whole with, community, with in gentleness, inshallah. You know, one thing I can't say, I'm not proud of much. There's not, I, I, I don't have much to be proud of. But I've been serving this community at different levels and different capacities for 20 years. And I don't think that I've had any issue with anybody. I'm you not are, saying everybody loves me. I'm not saying everybody loves me. I'm, I'm sure that some people say I can't stand it, do it.
2: No, obey right. the universal no. light. No, no, it's no. like Imam Zaid and, no, 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 and no, Brother Obey. No,
1: I'm, I'm definitely not like that. There's but I'm two... just saying, I haven't had any issue with anybody yeah. that I know of, that, that, I'm, that I'm aware of,
2: Maybe we should talk afterwards, man.
1: Yeah, okay, I'm (laughs) just kidding. kidding. Let me know. Let me know.
0: Thank you for tuning in. Please consider becoming a monthly sustainer by joining 1000 Hearts of Ta'lif and committing to give $3 a day to keep this work coming to seekers, youth, and newcomers to Islam. Sign up today at www.ta'lifcollective.org forward slash donate. We hope you enjoyed the variety of sessions available and hope you benefit immensely. Allah bless you and Allah bless your loved ones.